How are you guys doing? We all right? Good. Um, happy fall. If you didn't know, this weekend is like the official start of fall, so glad you're here to be part of all that. Um, I also noticed on my calendar this week, uh, there's 100 days left in the year. I think this weekend we're technically at 98, 99 days, but I'm pastor math, like if you've seen the internet, like you've seen the social media phenomenon about girl math and boy, there's pastor math. Pastor math always rounds up. So you got like 100 days left in this year. So if you had goals, if you had things you wanted to accomplish, like there is plenty of time for you to get moving on that. So I just wanted to like blow a little wind in your sails towards the things we said several months ago. Like, hey, maybe we wanna do this a little bit. Thanks for coming today. I'm really glad that you're here to be part of this conversation, this series. Uh, we've called it the Big Three. This series is about leading indicators. If you don't know what a leading indicator is, you gotta go back and watch last week. At the beginning of the message, I talked for a little bit about it. Leading indicators are about forward. These are about the things that are happening in the lives of people who are doing well. If you know somebody who's doing well, um, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally, odds are really good that these three things we're talking about in this series are part of their lives. And, and that they're doing well, like they're paying attention to these things, they're giving energy and effort to them. And so last week we talked about coming to church, about the importance of being in church every week and how that is, that is critical in the way God has wired us and how he's made us. So this week I wanna talk with you about the second thing of these big three things. The second one is about, um, where you, we around here use a few different terms. And we talk about the importance of loving each other. We talk about being in biblical community. And so if we could just put it into action words for us this week. This week is about being in a group. About being in a group. So if you're not part of a group, if there aren't people who are your people, that's what this week is about, to encourage you to be in a group. So I wanna tell you at the start, um, I'm in a group. I'm in a small group. I love my group, it's a, it's a, it's a really good group. And some of them are in the room today. So, like, so I'm gonna tell you the truth because they'll call me if, it's, if I said anything. So let me tell you a little bit about our group. Um, we, we're really good at eating together. We have, some, we have some awesome cooks in our group and we have some people who are really good at eating. And those two things go together really well. Um, I cooked for our last group meeting and um, I overcooked the chicken, it was dry. And nobody said anything. Like it was, like it was just so great and so sweet that they just like they just ate that dry chicken that I had made for them. And so, like, but I know, you know. So I'll do better. I'll do better next time. So we we um, we are good at eating together. We are we're really good at sharing our lives with one another. And we're open with each other about what's happening in our lives, the stuff we're celebrating, the stuff we're struggling through. And we're transparent with one another. We're we're good at that. And that happens around the dinner table for us. We're also good at praying for each other and praying with each other. And, and that's really how our time together winds up is we spend the evening and then we pray for one another. We're reading a book together um, that we're supposed to be discussing, but we're really good at eating and we're really good at sharing our lives with each other and we're not really good at book discussion. So we're reading this book and we're just kind of, we're maybe making our way through this book. And so we're working on that part. We serve together as a group and we're, we're, trying, we're actually trying to grow in this. And we, we have done service projects together, 
but we're trying to grow beyond that into really having a ministry together. Everybody who's part of our group serves, serve in the church, serve in the community in different ways, but we're trying to figure out what does that look like for us to have a ministry together as a group of people. It's a great group. I'm so thankful that I get to be part of this group. And so what I, what I hope happens for us in our time together today, like my, my desire in our time together today is if, if you're not in a group, if you, don't have, if you don't have people that you're intentionally with and they're intentionally with you, that you would, that you would give it a try, right? If you just, you'd give it a shot. And if, if, you're, if you've been in a group and it wasn't, it wasn't a great experience for you to try again. And I'll just, I'll say from my own experience, like I've been in some groups that were just, uh, they, they were never like bad, they were just, uh. And, and I've, in a, like I have the privilege of being part of a great group right now. So if you've, if you've just been in one and it's like, uh, give it another shot. There's a great group out there for you. And so, so give it another shot. If you're in a group today, if you're already in a group and that group is a little bit stale, what I hope happens this time together is that you have some points to discuss, to stir some conversation in that group and hopefully freshen things up a little bit for you. And, and so I really hope in our time together today that you'll, be, that you'll be spurred on a little bit to engage with a group of Christian people here at our church. So I'm excited for our time together. So here's, here's how I wanna approach this. So I've, I am saying to you, politely, be in a group, like be in a group. And, and you're hearing me say that, and, and then you're just kinda asking me the question back, why should I be in a group? Okay, and so I wanna give you, I wanna give you some answers to that question beyond the fact that like, I'm in a group and it's a great experience. I wanna give you some deeper answers to that question of why you, should, why you should have a group of people who are your people around you. And so we're gonna explore those answers together today and then um, you'll have a chance to begin the process of getting in a group at the end of our time together. So I have four statements I wanna make to you as it relates to why you should be in a group. The first one, God, who is in eternal relationship, created us in his image. So God is, God is a relational God, and he made us in his image. You are a relational being. Now, you may, you may hear that and think, oh, I don't like people. Well, you were created in the image of God, and you were created for relationships. Let me from Genesis chapter one, so this is the first page of the Bible. First page of the Bible, God's talking about creation and he's speaking to himself. So then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image and in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. So, so the words I wanna point out in this little verse here are the words us and our. And when God's talking to himself, he says of himself, like let us make humankind in our image. The plural there is really important. What it's setting up is something that you've gotta read deeper into the Bible to see it fully opened up and fully revealed is what we know as the doctrine of the Trinity, where God is one God, but he exists in three eternal persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is he, is, a, he is a relational being, and he, he has been in eternal relationship, and he's made us in his image. He made us, in, and so God, from, like, from all eternity, God hasn't been in relationship since he created people. God has been in relationship for all eternity, and so before creation, like the first words of the Bible are in the beginning. Before the beginning, God was 
in relationship with himself. And so he didn't, he didn't create, he didn't create what you and I know and experience and, and each us, he didn't create us because, because he was lonely or because he needed something. He created us out of, the, out of the overflow and the joy and the love and the delight that he had in his relationship as a triune God. We're, we're a product of the overflow of that. And so, and so when God created us, he created us in his image. We're like him in so many ways. We are like him. And one of the ways that you are like him is that you are a relational being. He created you to have relationships with others. Now, one of the ways, one of the ways you are not like God, right? So, so we're like God in a lot of ways. But one of the ways you're not like God, God is independent. He does not need anyone or anything. God is self-sufficient. He is self-sustaining. He doesn't need anyone or anything to continue to go. And, and you are not like him. He actually created us in his image for relationship, but we need, we need to be in relationship with him, first of all, and then we need to be in relationship with others. And so we have been created in the image of a relational God, and he created us for real relationships. Not, not for superficial, hey, how you doing, I'm fine, or a nod, and what's that person's name again? Not for those kinds of interactions, that kind of contact. He created us to be connected, to be connected with him and with other people. And so the first reason that you should be in a group is because you were made for relationship, and if you're gonna experience relationship, you have to be intentional about that. And so, so be in a group because you were made in the image of a relational God. That's the first thing. So you're created in God's image. He's a relational God. Second thing, and this is connected to how God has created us, it's not good for us to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. In Genesis chapter two, so God has wrapped up creation, it's done. And he took the man that we know is Adam and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And God watched that and his assessment after, again, if you read through Genesis chapter one, everything God did, he looks at it and he sees, man, this is really good, this is very good. And, and then he puts Adam, our first father, in the Garden of Eden to work it and then God's assessment of that is it's not good, it's not good for the man to be alone. It's just not good, it's not good for the man to be alone. Even if you're a person who likes to be alone, it's still not good. It's not healthy for you to be alone. It's not a good thing for people to be alone. You need relationships, you need relationships. Now this is super interesting to me. So when God looks down at Adam and sees him by himself in the Garden of Eden and says, that is not good. It's not good for people to be alone. Adam was in relationship with God. Adam was in a relationship with God. We know from reading Genesis that God met with Adam on a daily basis. Adam, Adam was in relationship with God. He was, 
He was innocent, he was pristine, he knew God unhindered by the first sin, had not entered our world yet, our first parents hadn't fallen from the glory of which God had created them. He was experiencing the glory for which God had created him. He knew God, he was living out God's purpose for his life, and he was alone. And even in that relationship that he had with God, God looked at that and says, all right, that guy's in relationship with me, and he knows me, and he's living out what I have for him to do, but there's nobody like him. He doesn't have anybody else. It's not good for him to be alone. It's, it's not good for us to be alone. And so I asked the question as I was processing through that, alone in what? Right, alone how? We'll start with it, alone in life. Just to be, to be by yourself in the way that you do life. Even if you like to be alone, it's not good to go about your life. And so, so we're in a season now, in this new reality that we're living, kind of post-COVID reality, if you were to Google loneliness in the United States, you would find several studies that talk about how 60% of us are lonely now. Loneliness is one of the new epidemics in our culture. Loneliness is a real thing for us. And, and if you're lonely, if you're one of those people, you know it is, it is not good for us to be alone. When we're alone, all kinds of things happen to us and it's not that we don't have people around us, because all of us do. You, you, came, you came to church, you're participating in a worship service. You have, you have people who are around you. You have, you have people that you are, are, you are rubbing shoulders with, but that is, again, that's just contact. To just have contact with people, that's very different than being connected to people. And it is, it is not good for us to live in just contact with people. We are created in the image of a relational God, and so, so what we're made for is connections, and when we are not connected, it is, it is not good for us. So it's not good for us to be alone in life. It's also, it's not good for us to be the only one who's living out our faith. If, so if you're, in a, if you're in a family or if you're in a circle of people that you would say, hey, so these are my people, but you're the only one who's a believer in Jesus. You're the only one who takes that seriously. You're the only one who's trying to live that out. Like it's, it's not good to be the only one in your circle who's, who's living out your faith. Like that's, that's, that's not good. That's not healthy. It's hard to continue to take it seriously if you're the only one who's doing it. So it's not good to be alone in being serious about and trying to live out your faith. It's also not good to be alone living on the mission that Jesus has given to us. You have, you've been given him, he has given you a mission to live and the way we express that around here is it's our, we're on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and to follow him together. And if you're taking that mission that God has given you, like the greater purpose for your life, if you're taking that seriously and you're alone, it is, it is not good. You're gonna, you're gonna wear out, you're gonna drift off, you're gonna calm down in that. You, you need other people around you. It's, it's not good for us as, as human beings to be alone, and since it's not good for us to be alone, we need to be together, and the way we're together in a church is we are, we are connected in groups, and, and we live in this, 
We live in this world, and, and maybe again, it might be you, where people are lonely. 60% plus are lonely, people live lonely. And here's the cool thing. God meets us in our loneliness. He's, he still looks at people who are alone and says, that's not good. And he's not saying, that's not good, like, shame on y'all, you should do better. He looks at us and says, hey, that's not good. I have better for you. There's this little line in Psalm 68, verse six. that says, God sets the lonely in families. This is one of the cool things that God does for people. It's his grace towards us. God sets the lonely in families. And it's, it's not a reference to biological family. It's a reference to a faith family. He sets, he sets lonely people into relationship in the context of our faith. It's not good for us to be alone, and so he makes provision for us to be together in a faith family. And, and you know this, it's not a biological, having a biological family, that's, that's not the only answer to loneliness. Some of, the, some of the loneliest people I know are in families, like biological families. They're married people or they're kids with parents, like they have siblings. Like some of the loneliest people we know are in a biological family. It's just because you have a biological family or just because you're in a marriage, does, that, isn't the, that isn't the together part. That's not the solution. It's certainly not the final solution to, to being together. If, if, you're, if you're in a biological family and you're just hoping that that's enough, you could still in your family, you could still be the only one who's taking your faith seriously. You could be the only one who is living on mission for Jesus. And those are, those are not good scenarios for you to be alone in that situation. And if you happen to have a biological family, well, like, hey, listen, we all follow Jesus and we're all serious about it and we're on mission together, so we're good. Like if your inclination is to circle the wagons in your biological family, you are missing out on on what God wants to do through you and how he would use your family to set other people into families. If you're just circling the wagons and it's just you, like you you're missing out on relationships that God has for you because God sets lonely people into faith families so that we could be connected, so that we can be together because we are relational beings. We are created in his image and we are created to be in relationship with him, and that is a vitally important relationship, but it's not the only one. We are created to be in relationship with each other as people of faith in Jesus. It's not good for us to be alone. So this series called The Big Three, and last week we talked about coming to church every week, and it is an important habit and it's important practice in our lives. So important, I think it's worthy of being number one in a series of the big three, right? So this is a really important thing, but church isn't the be all and end all for us. You might know this, church can be a lonely place. You could be here every week and still be lonely and still feel like you're the only one. There are a number of reasons for that. One of them is because church is full of people and all of us as people fall short. And, and when you put a bunch of people in a room who fall short, so if there's enough short in the same thing together, then it spills out and impacts us. And so, so it could be because, because we fall short together in that. It's also because it could be a lack of priority. 
It could be a lack of pride, maybe in your life, maybe you've got so much going on right now that you just don't feel like you have time for other people. And so you haven't given priority to it, and so it's kind of fallen by the wayside, and so you come to church, and that is awesome, and it is an important habit, but you, you haven't given priority, time, and energy, your precious resources to being connected, to be in a relationship with other people. It could be that. One of the other things that could be at Christ Community, we're a bigger church. In a bigger churches, it's always harder to be connected. There's, there's multiple services and there's people in the room and coming and going and all the things that happen in a bigger church. And so it's, it's harder sometimes to be connected, particularly without that intentionality. And so, and so it's not enough. It's not enough just to come to church every week. It's an important thing. It's great. It's a number one. But on top of that is this idea of being open, available, and willing to pursue and do the work of relationship building, of making connections with other people. If you just come to church every week and you sit in the same spot and you see the same people and you say hello and then you leave when it's over, you have contact, you rub shoulders with people and their familiar faces and maybe you know names, but you don't have connection. And we need connection, which is why we are in groups together. So be in a group, because you need connection. It's just not good for us to be alone. Here's the third thing. I wanna make sure we know why you should be in a group. So growth happens in smaller groups. Growth happens in smaller groups. Spiritual growth, emotional growth, relational growth, mental growth, growth happens in smaller groups. And growth happens in big groups too. But these, these are different environments and so different environments produce different kinds of growth. So this, this environment, I would say we're sitting in rows. We're sitting shoulder to shoulder and we're all facing the same direction and we're all listening to the same thing and so we're learning some of the same stuff together, we're being encouraged in the same things, we're participating in the same thing. So growth happens in this environment. It, and growth happens in smaller environments where this room's rows, a group we would say is circles. R growth happens in circles in, in different kinds of ways. So in circles, your hearts are pointed towards each other. It's just, just amazing, just the, just the posture of the room, your hearts are pointed towards each other and so you have the opportunity to grow in sharing life with other people and so you get to be part of their life and they get to be part of yours and as you, as you take risks and find them to be safe and, and, or give grace, where vulnerability, authenticity, transparency can happen, it's, it's amazing the growth that can come from that. You grow just by having your life shared with other people. We grow as we get to process content we don't, we don't take questions in this room. We don't do processing of content in this room because like, I, I couldn't do that. And, and you'd ask two good questions. But in, in a group, in a small group, when your hearts are pointed together, like you can process what you're hearing or what you're reading. You can, you can work through that together. And you can talk about the content as it relates to your life and the difference that that content makes in your life, the kind of difference it's making, maybe the kind of difference it should make. You could talk with each other about how it could make a difference in our lives. There's amazing growth that, gets experience, that we experience when we gather together in these smaller groups, and there can be accountability there. 
There can be accountability. Now, I learned this about accountability. Somebody said it to me years and years ago and then I've experienced it to be true. You can only offer accountability to somebody else. You cannot hold someone accountable. If they don't wanna be accountable, they can lie to you, they can go on about their business, but you could offer accountability to somebody else and somebody who is wanting to grow, somebody who's wanting to change, somebody who's wanting more in their life, like you can be that for each other. You can offer accountability to each other so that the action-oriented things that you are processing, that those things come to pass in one another's lives. And so you, can, so you can remind and pray for and cheer on, you can be there for and with each other as you, as you process the things that you're hearing and learning and what God is saying to you. Again, it's, it's the value of being together. When we're together if, as a faith family, when you are part of a, a faith family, a smaller group, people in a faith family, growth happens. Growth happens for you in that smaller group. And so again, I'd encourage you to be part of a small group. If you're not in a group of Christian people who are like-minded and who are trying to grow, like you, should, you should be in one because growth happens in that small group. And then this last thing, this fourth thing, God's kind of good. You know, I'm gonna back up. I wanna show you one more slide. Yeah, they, they're ahead of me. These are in the Bible. One more, that whole list. All the bullet points. Yeah, that one, awesome, thank you. Um, so in the Bible, there are, there's not full agreement on how many of them there are. There's more than 50 one another commands where we are told as Christian people how we are to engage in relationship with one another. So this on the screen, is this is just a partial list. It's not even the full deal. So if you wanted to, if you wanted to know what the full thing is, you can Google one another commands in the Bible, and there are several resources that will pop up at the top of all that so that you could see what all the one another commands in the Bible are. And you see this is a long list of loving each other and being devoted to each other and serving each other and praying for each other and, and clothe yourselves with humility towards one another and stop passing, like, there's positive commands, there's negative commands. The, the Bible gives us like, how we relate to one another and and you can't do this stuff if, you're, if you don't have any of that one another. Right? You, you can't do this stuff if, if your relationships with other Christian people is like, well, I, I see the same people because I sit in the same spot at the same service and I see those guys and so I wave at them and I'm gonna learn their name. Like you, you, can't, you can't live this out. You can't live this out if you're not connected with other people and if you, if you don't get to live this out and, and you don't get to experience other people living it out towards you, which is really important, that you're missing out on what God has for you, on, on the growth that comes from being a community of people who live this way, the blessing comes from being part of a community who, who loves you and serves you and prays for you and gives you the benefit of the doubt, like there's, this is amazing stuff. This is amazing stuff and it takes energy and effort and willingness and openness to, to be connected to other people and to engage with one another in these kinds of ways. And so, so this is stuff that we want for ourselves as individual people and since at Christ community, we're, we're for other people too. Like these, these are the things that we want for other people. It's, 
It's not good. It's not good if you're alone and you're missing out on being part of this kind of stuff. And, and since we're for each other, it's not okay if, if there are people in our midst who, who are alone. It's not good to be alone and, and we don't wanna leave anybody in a spot where it's not good for them. And so, so you will grow, you will grow. And then this last thing, this fourth statement, God's kind of good happens through smaller groups. God's kind of good happens through smaller groups. So last week we talked about the importance of meeting together. And one of the reasons that we meet together is that we stir one another up. In Hebrews chapter 10 it talks about this. We spur one another on in love and good deeds. In God's kind of good in our lives. And so, so God's kind of good happens through smaller groups. When, when, you are, when you are together and you're living out as best you're able and it's, you know, it's hit and miss sometimes in our lives but you're living out those one another things, you're engaged in that, what happens in your life is, is good. Love and good deeds are stirred up in you and you get to practice those with one another and, and to this point, really all I've talked about is when the circle is facing in, but if that circle faces out, if the hearts of the people who spend a lot of time together face out, amazing things happen because God's kind of goodness has been poured into your life. You're, you have received and you are, you are spurred on and now you get to let his goodness flow through you into the lives of other people. And, and I love this idea of God's kind of good happening not only in but also through our small groups. And so as we talk about that, one of the things that's important for us as a church in our, in our small groups is that, that our groups have, like they have, they have a cause. They have, they have relationship with a missionary or a local missions agency or like there's, there's someone or something that the group says, hey, we're, we're gonna adopt this. Like we're gonna adopt this cause and we're gonna pray for it and we're gonna be informed about it and we're gonna give to it. We're gonna give money and time and energy to it and, and if they have needs, we're gonna know what those needs are and over time we'll build enough relationship that they would know they could call us and they could ask us for help, and we'll maybe even grow to the point where like, we're bringing other people along into that relationship, because if we're, if we're doing the gathering together in the big room, coming to church every week, if we're doing that right, and we're turned in, our hearts are pointed towards each other, and we're enjoying God's kind of goodness flowing into our lives, that it has to have somewhere to go. And so our hearts turn out, and together we get to love and serve those that God has placed around us. I'm gonna talk more about that next weekend, about serving other people. That's the third part in this big three series, but for this weekend, it is, it is of greatest importance. It is, it is the first thing in our lives that, that we reject. We reject aloneness for ourselves and for the people who are around us. It is not good for us to be alone. And we drift, we drift. Everything in our, everything in our nature drifts towards being alone. We, we are not naturally transparent, authentic, 
vulnerable people. We're not naturally bent towards deep relationships with others and, and loving them and encouraging them and supporting them and being there for them. We're not bent that way naturally, but that's what God does for us. He steps into our lives and he gives us his nature and he's remaking us in his image. And so, so it is good for us to be together. And so friends, you have, you have the opportunity to be part of relationships that encourage you, bless you, love you, are for you, and will help you live connected to God's greater purpose for your life. And all of that happens at Christ Community Church by you being in a group. And so again, I hope for you, if you're, if you're not in a group, that you let us help you find one. And if you're in a group that's gotten a little bit stale, that, that you'd have some talking points for our time together. And, and if your group's going well, if your group's going well, if you've listened to this and you're like, check, yep, we've got it, that, that you would, next time you're together, celebrate. Celebrate what God is giving you in your relationship and, and talk about how that goodness flows into the lives of the people who are beyond that, that circle where you are, where you're together. Because it is, it, is it is of first importance for us. We are not alone, but that we are, that we are connected, that we're together. So can I pray this for you? Would you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? So Father, we are really grateful that you have created us with hearts that long for connection, that need to be connected to you, and need to be connected with each other. We admit that these things are hard for us and that there are so many things that get in our way. But we wanna receive what you would offer to us and you are a God who sets people, you set lonely people in families. And we are a family, a faith family. And, and so we desire those connections where we could love and serve and pray for and help be there for support one another. So I pray for myself, I pray for my friends who are part of this service, that we would be the kind of people who are saying yes to that, that we would give it the energy, the effort, the priority that it deserves and needs, and that we would be not okay with people in our circles who are alone. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand what you're doing and the people around us that we can help them be connected to. Jesus, thank you for coming to us, being one of us, and making the way for us to experience this kind of life and these kinds of relationships. It's a good gift that comes from you, so we pray these things in your name, amen.